0: Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, brought to you by Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Here on Sketch Nerds, we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today, we're going to be discussing sketches from Saturday Night Live and Chappelle's Show. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we are going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Seth Alcorn and Julian Morgan. I'm Andy Weld, and today we are happy to have on as a guest, Jessica Randazzo. How are you doing today, Jess?
1: I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, good. Happy to have you in that very sincere voice you're using. (laughs) Now, Jess, can you tell us about your comedy background?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, uh, I have always been hilarious and always been funny, and um, that's about it. And then I was discovered by Bad Medicine. So, um, no, I, uh, did it, I did, um, actually from riffing with a friend in English class in senior year, uh, he started an improv group at my school cause he had just transferred in and we didn't have one and he had one at his school and he had me come just for like the auditions to see everybody. And then it turned out that I ended up on the team. And so I did improv from high school and college, just acting and comedy and then ended up doing stand up. <clears throat> and uh, then uh, found that clear throw for a stand-up. Yeah.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Right. clears throat> stand up. Yeah, stand up.
1: So uh, it took me a long time to do the stand up. I was terrified. I was terrified. Tell us yeah, your yeah, worst stand up story. story. Yeah, my worst stand up story. I actually, <laughs> my worst stand up story is that it took me so long to get into it. Honestly, because there's a class at the DC Improv, which is fantastic, and uh, but it sells out in like minutes every time. And we, I was on the wait list for literally years. And every time my husband and before, I'm sure, my fiancé and before that, my boyfriend, would <laughs> Joe, would call me oh, there and was say. Are those three different men? Or? No, it's all the same person. But that's how long it took me to do the class. He would get an email notifying like, hey, it's open. And he would call and be like, are you going to do it? And I was like, no, no, next time. So it was like literally a couple years before I decided, okay, let's do this. And I did like a story telling class in the the city first to get up there and just really feel it. Um, And not that I don't have a problem getting up in front of people and making an ass out of myself or talking about anything I feel like, but the idea of putting together like a set was really intimidating. So I finally did the class and then it was great. And so I've done it a couple of times. I say because as I was doing stand-up, I also started having children, so (laughs) that made it complicated. That was your
0: first mistake.
1: (laughs) That was my first mistake. That made it complicated to try to get out. You hear that,
0: Jess's kids? She just called you her first mistake. (laughs) My
1: first mistake, and now we're on our second. Um, Dang. Yeah, Uh, but (laughs) uh, I have been paid for it, so I'm a professional stand-up comedian. I believe that term would be
0: semi-professional.
1: I think once you get paid for it, it's professional. That goes for lots of professions, my friend. So.
3: Could you elaborate on that? You <laughs> know, I was going to make that joke, and I'm glad I didn't. <laughs> and I, think, I think, Andy, you should know better. You should. No, I shouldn't. Okay. This is true. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, and then uh, from stand-up, and uh, I ended up kind of running into um, the bad medicine family and was welcomed with open arms. And now it's been two, three? Two years. Two years that I've been doing sketch and bad medicine so
2: yeah i think the first time i think you and i even met was like we had you come up to philly for our our yeah. sketch fest show and we we're just like hey so andy was also also andy's first time yeah i think first time i met him too
1: we had only been in for like, like a month yeah yeah and then we were in the sketch fest yeah
0: and we yeah. went on at 145 in the morning <laughs> the yeah. worst start time after. we've ever had it after was... being told we were going on at eleven forty-five. Yeah. not a great start time Better than 145.
1: <laughs> exactly. Best right.
2: way to break someone in for sketching. Right. Exactly. To, to just live with them Wear for like. Wear them down emotionally. And make them like play that. a
1: prostitute. I also, no, yeah. a, I'm sorry, a stripper. Mm. I played a stripper. I'm sure you
0: did play a stripper. I did. I played a Russian stripper. Were you a Russian professional stripper? stripper? You were Russian.
1: I was, yeah. Was and a professional. I was a professional. Well, Somebody was go. paying me. So. <laughs>
0: Jess, can you uh, introduce this, this first sketch that you brought us today?
1: Sure. This is uh, from Saturday Night Live um, from uh, season 14, October 1988, my friend's classic, Out of the Vault. Um, it's a commercial and uh, a bank representative played by Jim Downey, who is rarely seen uh, on screen promotes first citywide change Bank and two clients Nora Dunn and Phil Hartman tell personal stories of how the business gave them different types of change and this is actually the second in the in in this episode there was like two sets of commercials bookending the the episode right and my favorite part is actually the second of it so it's first citywide change Bank two
0: all
2: right Dos. I think we have a clip. I've had people come in with wrinkled $10 bills who want new crisp bills to put in birthday cards. And we can handle special requests like that, usually the same day. I just returned from a business trip to London, and all the cash I had was a five pound note. Citywide wasn't able to convert it to dollars, but they did give me four guineas, two crowns, four shillings, and ten pence. All the time our customers ask us, how do you make money doing this? The answer is simple, volume. All right, Jess,
0: what do you like about that sketch? Why did you bring it to us today?
1: <laughs> Sounds so accusatory there. It's the, the like, first question I did ask you, everybody. What like a, did like you a do? cat <laughs> who like brought in like a half-dead rabbit to your feet and was like, look what I did. And we
0: can get like, into my what? personal feelings on this sketch later. Let's start with your <laughs> personal feelings on it.
1: <laughs> this sketch is, I just, I mean, I I remember seeing this episode, um, Tom Hanks hosted, and I remember seeing this episode like probably... It's gotta be in the 90s that I saw it when Comedy Central was just playing like reruns of Saturday Night Live all the time. And uh, I just like, (sighs) okay, (laughs) sorry. I feel that this is a real turning point. I feel like a lot of the commercial parodies that uh, Saturday Night Live did in the past for 14 years prior, basically, were really cheesy and like over the top. And, you know, like, you know, but how? Tell me more. And, you know, and which was a lot of the commercials at the time anyways. And so I don't know if it was partly due to whatever was happening in the news in 1988, but, um, <laughs> and society changing as well, or the writers just becoming kind of a little more subdued and older, who knows. But it's a turning point, I think, and um, that it's a real commercial. And 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 in, in researching kind of the behind the scenes of all this, there's definitely a lot out there that says like, you know, you could see this on TV and have thought that it was an actual commercial, you know, like it wasn't, it's not colon blow, (laughs) which is, you know, over the top, but, you know, serious at times and a lot of the other things that they've done. But uh, so it's just, uh, it's like real, you know, but it's absurd and it's, it doesn't make any sense. And it's short too, which I, as you can tell from, the talking that I'm doing have a <laughs> hard time condensing <laughs> feelings and thoughts, and no. in a sketch, <laughs> do tell. Um, in sketch, like it's only a minute long, and so is the first one. They're like a minute and a minute twenty-two, and um, it just gets the point across really well. And it it, but it acts like a real commercial, like Nora Dunn's character, like that was a that's a real thing that like marketers of that time would have put on a woman that like she just needs to feel safe and secure that this yeah. is just that was a really good feeling I have to tell you like that kind of thing
2: she was almost whispering real. it too like huh? she was almost she was almost whispering it too <laughs> yeah. that was so weird
1: yeah like like that's that's all she needed in life was to have like I gotta tell you that's a really good feeling when there's like a safety and security you know and and Phil Hartman's character coming back with this change from London, from England, and what I love too is, I'm pretty sure that England had already, like, in 1988, nobody's using guineas anymore. You know what I mean?
0: Oh, I believe two of the coins he mentioned are were no longer.
1: Yeah, in circulation. are no longer yeah. in circulation. Uh, just <laughs> it just makes it sound like it's from, like, it's just they were able to give me, and the coins were ridiculous. Um, and the the best line of all, of course, is the, you know, people ask us how we do it. And the answer is simple: volume like it doesn't there's, there's it's absurd because there's no but it's a great button and it's a great yeah and it's as Andy rolls his eyes at me across the room
0: don't give away the secrets <laughs> of what's happening
1: no i think i honestly think that it was it was a it's a transition piece i think it it's part of like sketch comedy history like it's it's like in the evolution of man picture it's one of those <laughs> It's one of those sketches that starts to transform and change a little bit because I just- Change, you say? (laughs) Change, bank of change, change bank. Um, And I always called it bank of change um, in my head, um, but it is citywide change bank.
0: Seth, um, are there punchlines in this sketch or is it more of an atmospheric feeling uh, that communicates the humor?
3: I think there are punchlines. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I think the atmosphere is, is an integral part, or integral part, depending on how you want to pronounce that word, um, of the sketch. I don't think it would work if there was even the slightest bit of acknowledgement by the actors in the scene that this is absurd. Uh, but I think everybody's pretty much completely deadpan delivery uh, sells it. And I think the punchlines, honestly, for me, are uh, Phil Hartman's list of the change and uh as jess has pointed out um volume you know it's it, i will say this it is not a traditional sketch it's, it's good that it's only about a minute 22 uh which is keeping it into sort of maybe longish commercial length but still commercial length you know it is sort of its own setup and punchline at the same time if that makes any kind of sense
0: oh i i, I think it does and and, and julian when you're you know, as a writer, when you're approaching a sketch that relies heavily on atmospheric elements, what's your writing process like? Are you, do you ever sit there and think, is this actually funny or not? Or am I just imagining how it would be funny? Like, how do you how do you get over that hump? But, and this applies to any sketch, really, but especially a sketch where there are punchlines, as, as, as Seth and Jess have pointed out. But a lot of it does come into capturing the atmosphere of what's being parodied.
2: First of all, that what you have to do is just write what you think is funny. That's, I mean, that's all you can do, really. But like, when you get into that kind of situation, you have to lean harder into your idea, which is what the what the sketch does. It, they, they could have easily gone into really like really weird or even more even more specific beats, you know. But like, I feel like the uh, so it's it's a change. It's a bank that only makes change, right? So they they could have gone into a number of different ways, but I just. My favorite joke, and it's actually kind of off game a little bit, is um, where uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like the the, he's like the bank manager. Yeah, Jim Downey. Yeah, yeah. Um, He he comes in. He says "Um, people give me uh, crumpled up ten dollar bills, and (laughs) and they want the crisp ten dollar bills for their birthday cards, and that's like we can do
1: that for them. Yeah, we can do
2: that for them. Almost same day. Like (laughs) like that's that's so funny, so funny. But it's it's not. He's not making change though. So that's why I was kind of like it's my favorite line of the sketch but I I would have been like uh can he just make change like like <laughs> give him like crisp 1 dollar bills or something like that you know I don't
3: know Well I, th- I think that's why it takes him a little while to accommodate that like that was the the <laughs> no, the we can do that for them we can, we we're we're able to do that for them Oh yeah, like yeah. It's, it's like a special
2: request but mm-hmm. yeah. they can do it yeah exactly. okay no, that makes sense yeah but, yeah, just, like, for, for those kinds of sketches, especially really deadpan sketches, you have to really lean hard into your idea. And so just, like, making it three talking heads, make it really simple, and just, just tell the audience what the idea is and just play it out.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I, I love how – I mean, the three of them don't – they all have characters, but they're not – and they're in it, committed, but they're not over the top. Like, nobody – is going, like you said, like absurd or acknowledging how silly it is or anything. And Jim Downey's character is like the perfect like banal bank manager kind of like, after you see this commercial, you would not recognize him in a lineup afterwards. You know, like it's, it's a forgetful, almost, you know, kind of bank manager persona. You know, people who haven't seen it, they're just all looking just off center of the camera, like to you know, the idea of an interview person, like explaining it all. And That is something that, I mean, commercials were doing, but, like, with parodies and with with jokes on all that. And also, if you look this up, there are, like, old 1980s and 1990s parodies of people doing Change Bank, like – very terribly. Yeah. But like
2: <laughs> I, I even saw some amateur ones. Yeah. I was, the like amateur trying to, ones. I was trying to find it on YouTube. Yeah. And just like amateur ones where yeah. people are doing the exact same thing.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And but they're making it more absurd. It's not as funny as the SNL one.
1: Yeah, but. because it's it's like it's distilled. And that's the thing, is that it's 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 very precise, like you said. They've got they've got what they've got, their characters and their uh their lines, and it just doesn't I mean, I I would be interested to see Out of the two, you know, minute longs, like how much was left on the editing room's floor? Like what else they did, you know, what other lines they had that they just like really, it was very surgical, I think, in terms of how a sketch actually ends up coming together and, and does it right. Because as we all know, in the writing room, you can come up with something great. And you love it so much. And the line is hilarious to you, at least. But it's still. No, it's
0: hilarious and other people don't get it.
1: (laughs) It He's talking
0: about baseball commentary. (laughs) Which is a sketch that I've written that may or may not have come up on this show before.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It plays really well in the room. It's great. But then when you start performing it and you start rehearsing it, it's like that one's got to come out. Because it just doesn't jive with everything else. Even though. It's fantastic, like Doctor Batman's Enemy. him just leaving the sketch completely out of Doctor Batman.
0: What's Doctor Batman?
1: <laughs> oh, Doctor Batman! What? It's a sketch that I wrote actually. Um, so you're
0: you're comparing this sketch I of Saturday am, Night Live I'm comparing to a sketch that you've produced. Doctor
1: Batman to Citywide Change Bank. Two, not the first one. Two, two. Um, no, but I'm saying like, it was like something I loved so much was in there, but when we all got around and like started, it didn't it didn't fit, even though it was like a really funny button or punchline or whatever it didn't fit and the idea that this comes together this sketch comes together this, this commercial so i mean it is small and condensed and surgical and i admire that i think there's a lot of me yeah. that admires editing because i don't apparently understand it <laughs> in the vocal sense
2: right I, it, sorry no, sorry it's it just like it, it and that's what um i love most about it too is just because like Jim Downey's the one that kind of holds it together because his character is like, he's a serious person who believes he's doing something important. And so to see that juxtaposed to the people who are like, they're they're, they're giving these like really almost somber deliveries, but then you see how like unimportant it is and that's what's funny. Yeah. So to be able to get that idea across to an audience,
1: mm
2: -hmm. it has to be surgical. Like it has to be like.
1: Yeah. And he's, I mean, for those who don't know, Jim Downey wrote for, over 30 seasons on SNL. I think he was head writer for a while and he wrote that sketch. <laughs> That's one of his. And he also, for people who don't know, played the principal in Billy Madison um, who gives the the great monologue about your, uh, what you just said was, dumb, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. So everybody in this room is dumber for having heard it because apparently, I just have to say this because it's great, <laughs> that made it into the script because he would actually say that stuff to writers around the sketch table at SNL. And apparently mostly Chris Farley. So
0: <laughs> I mean, I can see maybe where that is
1: <laughs> after I they know. pitch something. <laughs>
0: now just when you as an actor, when you're when you're given a sketch or something like this that is absurd in its concept but played very straight. How do you approach that as an actor? Do you approach it as though you're just like reading more something like a drama or is there or or are there parts of the of comedic acting that have to come through in this subtle delivery?
1: I think it is something where you have to accept the character and kind of like you have to step into it kind of in a dramatic way. But also, like you said, I mean, you can't go too over the top. You can't get cheesy with it. Um, But it comes down to just like the lines and how you deliver them and trusting that in the atmosphere, as it all comes together, it's going to click in and sink in with everybody else in it. I mean, it's a little different when you're doing film as opposed to stage because you're not playing right off of the other characters, which I think can be more challenging because you just kind of have to trust yourself. I mean, they've all read this at the table at read throughs, you know, done it over and over again so you can feel that. But um, and as you do that, you get more of a sense of how everybody else is playing straight, you know, and how you can come in straight as well. But yeah, I think you do have to be.
2: Yeah, like Phil Hartman. Serious, right? Yeah, it's, it, it it does feel dramatic because the way like um, Phil Hartman delivered the, way, like it's it, it kind of flowed well. Is like I was on, I was in business in Europe, and I tried to exchange my, and then the way he delivered those lines of like those uh that list of what he got. Yeah, was like, he like it was like almost truncated? It was like I got four guineas, four <laughs> pence, Or you know, like and a hay penny. Yeah. Or Seth, five. would you add anything
0: to that? And kind of the using when you have material that is comical but presented in a serious way. Is there a certain way that you approach that as an actor? It's all about the character's truth
3: and Phil Hartman. When has... you say that, what do you mean? Okay, so. It's not a question of how I would approach it. It's a question of what is the character feeling and thinking in this moment. So it's it's giving that list the way the character would. And Phil Hartman is playing serious businessmen. So, of course, it's just like, no, they couldn't change the five pounds. But what they did give me was blah, 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 blah. Also, uh, frankly, just um, pre-decimalized British currency names are funny.
1: Are funny. Yeah, yeah. They are
3: inherently funny. All
0: right, wrapping up, anything that people would want to change in this sketch? Any change to change bank?
1: How dare you, sir?
0: Jess, if you listened to the show before you came on, you'd know (laughs) this is the last question I ask. (laughs) There's a system here. I don't here. know if
1: you were paying attention to my comedy background, but if you were, then you would tally at least one toddler and a pregnant situation happening over here. I've so. talked
3: for a long time. A
1: long time. Just
3: Randazzo time. and the pregnant situation. <laughs> That's what Jess would change. Seth, what would you change about this sketch? Um... Do you know? I actually, I, I don't think I would. It's, it's, it's so tight that I don't think I'd take yeah. anything out. I don't think I'd add anything else, and I don't think you need like more people coming in with bizarre coin names. So I, I would just leave it as it is. Julian,
2: is there any space for a visual gag in here? Yeah, I almost wonder like what there would like. I want to see the inside of the bank a little bit, but again, I don't think you have to see it, or like, or like what, like what are the like have a row of tellers that are just. Just counting out change. Like I don't know. It doesn't need it. Like like Seth said, it's
0: super tight. And you know, the sketch, it, it, it wasn't for me. It, it's just not I just find I, I found it a little flat myself. It's sad uh, sad. My and man, that's fair. No. I'm a sad, sad just- man. Um, but- no, and
1: I get I do see, I understand how I mean it's it's dry and a lot of the stuff, some of that stuff in, in the in the eighties and early nineties and stuff, I mean, it's all it's also different. Like I Like, uh, you know, we were kind of discussing before the podcast that I grew up with this sketch. You know what I mean? Like, I was probably 11 the first time I saw it. And at that point, I recognized it's comic genius. I'm just saying. I was 11. So funny forever, really. But but for seeing it for the first time, you know what I mean? Like, now in 2018 and not having—it was still, like, culturally— significant (laughs) at that point like those were still commercials that were like on like that now those are blase commercials nobody's doing anything like that now you know what i mean so i understand how a younger person might not (laughs) know just i i get your point and everything but it's great
3: this podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe bad medicine dc's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy.
0: All right, the second sketch we have for us tonight comes to us from Julian. Julian, tell us about this sketch. It's from the Chappelle Show.
2: Yeah, uh, it's from Chappelle Show. I brought another one. Um, it's it's the Wayne Brady episode. That's uh, a night out with Ray- with Wayne Brady, and uh, it's one of the most memorable, memorable sketches from Chappelle Show. Comes in season two. Uh, the episode is. Uh, is actually the only time where the show kind of apologizes because uh, they go I mean they go great lengths to make fun of everyone, but this show kind of like uh, references itself in this in this episode. Uh, it stems from a joke made by comedian Paul Mooney. If you don't know who Paul Mooney is, he uh, he, he used to write for we uh, used to write jokes for Richard Pryor. Uh, he's one of my favorite comedians because he's just so raw and honest, but in a really uh smart and kind of uh unusual way. So he he makes a he, he has this bit on one of the episodes called Um, and he famously says, uh, "White people love Wayne Brady because he makes Bryant Gumble look like Malcolm X." It's such a good uh, line. It's such, it's a, such a great show. It's so it's so funny. And his delivery of it too is so
0: White people love Wayne Brady, just like there's yeah,
2: like <laughs> just as a swami. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Dave uh, apparently felt badly after hearing that um uh, that Wayne. Uh, Brady was, was was hurt by that joke. And so I'm going to go ahead and throw to the throw to the sketch. Hey, hold up, Wayne. I
1: think you passed our turn. The restaurant's back that way.
2: Nah, That's all right. Relax. <laughs> <laughs> you going to get some weed? <laughs> <laughs> you going to get some weed and holler at your boy. I know he's fine.
1: <laughs> hold on. All right. <laughs> there he is.
2: Break yourself, fool! Oh, is Wayne Brady son All right um so uh, this this episode uh it it does two things there's two things at play here because the entire episode is for Wayne Brady um in the beginning of the episode it also kind of foreshadows the the series finale and you can it's kind of see a window into um uh, sort of the turmoil that was going on behind the scenes in the show. Um, It opens with Chappelle complaining to two uh, uh, Comedy Central execs that he's burned out from the show's demanding schedule, Um, and to which the two execs say that, well, we're expecting a third season, so you need to get to work. Chappelle threatens to quit, but the the execs, they calmly reply, "Uh, you're replaceable. (laughs) And so it cuts to uh, the Chappelle show opening sequence, um, but only now it's the Wayne Brady show, and Wayne Brady walks out to greet the crowd, and he proudly proclaims, "Nothing makes me happier than than being able to take another black actor's job." <laughs> 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 Which so this this whole episode kind of plays with that too. That that and and, and, and in the sketch, uh, uh, Chappelle, the, one of the first lines is like, "Hey, we're black actors; we have to be unified and stuff like that." So that line really sets up. What the entire kind of joke of the episode is, so I, w- I wanted to see what you guys thought about just like playing up that, like is like the, the show kind of apologizes to Wayne Brady and does it in a fun way, but it, but also in a way that's true to the show. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on it. it. It is it is
0: my favorite sketch from Chappelle's show. It is ab- absolutely my favorite sketch from yeah. Chappelle's show, and and I think because of your expectations of who Wayne Brady is. And then what he does on this show, the way they play with that, and and that was kind of that's the biggest thing that like I'm interested in for in the context of the sketch is like what is this sketch saying about race and celebrity for the black actor or like, and and it you know it kind of relates to some of the stuff we talked about uh, a couple episodes ago of like well Wayne Brady is a black actor who who perhaps through no fault of his own tends to play to a more white audience, and so. What is what is being said in here about race and celebrity and presentation? But we can get into that after. I'm, uh, we should hear other people's thoughts on the sketch as a whole. Um, Jess, what do you think about it?
1: Oh no, it's um, it's I I remember I remember seeing this when it first came out too. Um, because I remember the '90s really well. No, was Scanton. it the '90s? Two thousand and three. Yeah, Two thousand and three. So I remember my college years is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> but I remember
3: uh, middle school. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Touche. I was
2: in the workforce. It was terrible. <laughs> I, I had a male pail lunch <laughs> and a thermos.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was hilarious because honestly, like I only knew Wayne Brady from Whose Line Is It Anyway? You know, which is a very white show. So, um, no, I mean, if you look at the audience and, you know, it's just um, improv. It's not just joking. Um, it's for everyone, but like... <laughs> The show itself is so family like focused um and so I was watching it again, like reruns of it just the other day, and it's just so you know it's it's tame in preparation
0: and, for this podcast in
1: preparation mm-hmm. for this podcast, and it's just tame in terms of like what if you go out and see improv really, obviously. Um, whose Lines Anyway is a much more family, <laughs> family just centered thing. Just to point
3: out, that is the American version of Whose Line Is It it's Anyway. the point. The British version, as most things British, not American. A quite little more raunchy. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, and so to see him, to see him like, you know, switch characters and play this different, you know, is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch? Like, it's.
2: Yeah, this is one the best of
0: delivery of that line I've ever heard,
1: this, Jess. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> That's I um I use it often on my four year old. So um I'm familiar with it.
0: A well developed young man, I'm yes, sure. He
1: mm-hmm. is. Um and so polite. Um <laughs> but, but the notes yes. home
3: from school, let me tell you.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Nobody takes any guff from him on the playground, is what I'm telling you, okay? Mm. Um but yeah, it was like to see the the reversal and everything, it's it was hilarious and shocking, you know? Yeah. Like but fantastic. So to see, like, I loved seeing Chappelle be shocked by it, you know, in the car and like, what are we doing and where are we going and why right. is this happening and what are you talking about? So.
2: Yeah, like Chappelle's performance versus Brady's, like the yeah. way they play off each other is amazing because like, you know, Chappelle in, 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 the season, in, the, in the two seasons and all the sketches that leading up to this sketch, it's like this, this sketch is like the second to last sketch of the entire show. Like uh, this, 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 sketch is the last sketch of this episode, but this episode is the second to last of the entire show. Um, and you see, like, uh, it, for the most part, um, Chappelle is always in control. His character is always in control, and then just have that, just that reversal, is super fun. Where he's just crying and eating a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's
3: Wayne Brady is in uh, Menace to Society. And Dave Chappelle is Marlon Wayans from Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood. That's, that's essentially what's going on in this game. Yeah. Seth, I don't get that reference. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so Menace to Society uh, was a movie about life on the streets in L.A. And Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood was the Wayans Brothers parody of all of the movies that had been about life on the streets in L.A. Uh, they were referencing Juice, Boys and South Hood. Central, and Boys in the Hood, as well as Menace to Society, in their title alone. Message, that's a reference to that yeah. movie again. <laughs> I, d- I did see Boys in the Hood. Okay.
0: Thank you. Uh, let's let's circle back class. to, um, to <laughs> the question of uh, race and celebrity. And I, I know this is another heavier topic for us to be handling, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. How does our expectations of who Wayne Brady is play into the humor of this sketch, and how does that have to do with his race and the uh, how black actors are presented in television and in movies,
2: Julian? Yeah, um, it, it sets. A, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I had to pick someone. Julian's Ethnic Corner. We're drawing a hard line. <laughs> you're, you're
3: just talking first. The rest of us will talk, too. We might not be, be as explicit in our terminology
2: as you were a couple of episodes ago, but... Uh, we're going
0: we're to have to put a little music cue q- in for <laughs> Julian's Ethnic Corner.
2: Yeah, could it be like 60 minutes, the... <laughs> Sixty minutes, but like over, like no, because some like we're, hardcore rap, like hard. yeah, it's ex-
3: exactly no, because we're, don't lean into it, Julian. Because we're well-meaning but ultimately racist white people,
2: it will be cop killer by Ice Tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the, the 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 thing that kind of they're playing with here is like, yeah, it's <laughs> um, Paul Mooney's uh, his his original joke is playing out two things that like the way Wayne Brady presents himself and also uh and I think the one thing that, that just like looking at interviews that the thing that Wayne Brady kind of also really um what 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 really kind of made him mad about it of uh, the joke was that um it, it, there's this idea that like if too many white people like you then you're just you're not you're one not of us black anymore yeah. yeah yeah so and that that's why like he uh, to see that transformation he's both like Acting like stereotypically thugged out, and then also like he kills the key, like he, he 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 takes advantage of that cop who um who like who knows him as the you know
0: my mother in law loves you
2: yeah yeah people like white people love me so I'm gonna take advantage of this cop and then kills him it's <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> Um, so and so it, it does those things. I think they j- addressed, like, everything that he was sort of angry about with just that one joke. That just, like, you know, one line that kind of really pissed him off. They, they addressed all of that in that one sketch.
1: It's an eloquent dance, really. Yeah. Really, it is. I um, No, I think that it's interesting, though, because I think that, like, the, the idea also that, like, white people love Wayne Brady is because he's, like, a safe quote unquote version of a black man you know like right. he doesn't cuss and he doesn't dress like a thug and this that you know it's it's that kind of that's the persona on like whose line is it anyway or you know whenever you'd see him and um so but that's that's the idea that like that's an acceptable yeah <laughs> man of color
2: even in the yeah even somebody the, who
1: who is quote unquote like safe you know what i mean right it's an interesting
2: even in that most famous line of the sketch is wayne brady gonna have to choke a bitch <laughs> In the, in the behind the scenes, like, he had trouble saying bitch, like, calling her a bitch. Really? Yeah. So, he like, he didn't want to say it. And they were trying to riff, like, different words. You can say, like, ho or whatever. But when it came time to shoot, he actually just said it. And that was it. Yeah.
1: He did it great, though. Like, it's, it's fantastic because it's terrifying.
0: And let, yeah. let's talk about that line a little bit. Is Wayne Brady going to have to choke a bitch? It's, it's a great line. It's, it's maybe the most memorable line of the whole show, the whole run of the show. People, like, it's very, very commonly quoted, as Jess said. She says it's
1: to a four-year-old. In my four kitchen year old. to my four-year-old all the time.
2: Um, yeah, even Wayne Brady says, I know when they're doing reruns of that because I'll just get a bunch of tweets. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Yeah.
0: But what makes a good line? What makes a, a ten, 10 words that we remember? What Like, what goes into it? Is it that it's Wayne Brady? Is that the, the thing we were just saying about the expectations of Wayne Brady? Is it something about you know, and the way it ends on bitch in such a hard way. What makes a great, memorable line? And is there any way to actively write it or does it just happen? Seth?
3: The entire sketch uh, plays on our impressions of Wayne Brady at that time. I I don't think like just coming up with a a couple of, I'll, I'll put it this way. That line would work with a couple of other people. It would work with Steve Urkel, but not Jaleel White. If that makes any sense, sure. Right? Yep. It's 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 this and that was Wayne Brady's public persona again. As he's he's very non threatening. He's very um, middle class culture. You know all the all this kind of stuff. Um, and I could certainly see why the Paul Mooney line stung him because he'd never really been given the option to do anything else. And I think that that's one of the other things about the reason uh, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And I, I started with uh, with the question, well, okay, why? Since we already have Malcolm X as a comparison, why don't we go that way? Why don't we see Wayne Brady, the uh, the militant activist or the militant radical, something like that? But I think the point is, there were two choices. If you were an actor of color, uh, black actor specifically, in the 80s through the 90s through the mid 2000s, you could be completely non-threatening. Uh, as such as, and I know this is going to be controversial, such as The Cosby Show or Family, uh, family Matters, much less controversial, yeah. or you could be a thug, and those were your two choices. And we were used to seeing uh, Wayne Brady as, if you'll excuse the metaphor, plain vanilla, and then he came out uh, as the thug. So that line, I think, to, to wrap up this very long-winded way of answering your question— the line, like any other line, is embedded in its context, and that is what makes a great line. Without that context, it means nothing.
1: Yeah, it's the time and place, right? I mean, it, it matters that it was then, you know, and uh, not like now. I think Wayne B- Brady is going to Broadway to do Kinky Boots, so, you know, it's a different Wayne Brady now. <laughs> Publicly, at least. <laughs> he was always this Wayne Brady, I
2: guess. Yeah. <laughs> no I think what makes this joke work because uh, where the placement is of it because it's the second beat and in the first beat is the drive by which is super funny which the other great line oh shit it's Wayne Brady yeah, yeah. Yeah. oh <laughs> shit it's Wayne Brady son yeah, uh, he's and, got
1: street cred we just yeah. don't know about
2: it and I love I love when Dono Rollins the actor says that dies he like hangs from his the, arms <laughs> <sitting> in <laughs> the air yeah. as he's dying It just hangs <laughs> from the wall That's so funny um, but like So that the 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 second time, uh, even though Wayne Brady just shouts, "It's Riverside, motherfucker!" and then he peels off. Um, But like, I I think the the this the second time when he says, "Is Wayne Brady gonna have to choke a bitch?" is like that's when he's like, he's like really, it's really verbalizing it. Now it's like, like this is like a kind of thing that like 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 the 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 drive-by was one thing, but it was like it was an action. Dave was like kind of okay with continuing writing like this, <laughs> but like after Wayne Brady, um, after Wayne Brady says I'm gonna, uh, am I gonna have to choke a bitch? He tells the one prostitute like, Ron bitch, get help, you know, like yeah. that, that. Like that, so, that's like the the first time it's like it be, he, him verbalizing it makes it real. Yeah. Can
3: I also just say that if no. you are okay, I well, won't. No, no. <laughs> if you uh, if, if you are not from Southern California or the LA area, the fact that he is repping Riverside is freaking hilarious. Yeah. Why? Uh, because Riverside is an hour to an hour and a half outside LA. It is a a very, very far uh suburb of the city and it's not generally somewhere you'd associate
2: with uh Wayne Brady um uh, driving around being a gangbanger. Oh, well so it, also the Riverside line's also a reference, I think maybe, mm-hmm. uh and that could also be your mm-hmm. the could be uh, it too. But it's from uh Tupac says that in um, Juice, right oh, no yeah. Tupac. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is there
0: anything that uh, anyone would change about this sketch? Do any differently, Julian?
2: Um, so the 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 sketch is formatted uh, like Training Day, you know, the movie with Denzel mm-hmm. and um, Ethan Hawke. And so it it, it nice it, little it,
0: Ethan Hawke shout out in a big spot right there.
2: We <laughs> 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 always forget about Ethan Hawke. So it 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 tracks well the, the drive by was a ten and then that first, that's the first beat. The second beat is uh oh God, I'm gonna have to joke a bitch. That was also like a probably a nine. And then it goes to uh Wayne Brady offering him weed, but it turns out to be PCP, which which is like <laughs> which is exactly like um uh training day. And so like to me that was kinda like a lull. I was like, uh, you have these really two great beats and then the middle beat you kinda take a break, which I I, I think it, that works. And also you get to put put in the Paul Mooney line again to remind the audience why this is happening. Um so it, it, it takes a breather, but I feel like um maybe it'd have been like a little shorter. I'm not sure. Cause then the um the cop I think is the next right. beat. Yeah, the cop is the next beat. And that takes like, a little bit of setup. So like you're already in a break, you're already breathing and then I don't know like does it make it better when you just snaps the cop's neck and you're like, oh we're at this, we're doing this again. <laughs> you know? Jess?
1: No, I mean, like, I, it's hard for me, I think, sometimes to look at sketches like that and try to, I mean, I guess I do do that. But uh, to, to try to edit, you know, something that is tried and true that you're used to, that you're familiar with, that's a challenge. But um, also, uh, Dave Chappelle is like a hometown boy from D.C., so I'm not going to disparage him or say anything. No, I don't have, I, I honestly don't, like, I don't, there's nothing in that sketch that I would pull away from. You know, but I also this is not something that uh, I would write. <laughs> this is not this is not like familiar territory. I don't know if you in listening land can tell, but <laughs> this is not this. You know what I mean? So it's not like a, an area where I would be like, oh, where I feel like this could be better is if this, because I'm speaking from a different voice. Yeah. As opposed to ethnic corner Julian over there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's
0: made it sound so much worse.
3: Yeah. Wow. It's just Didn't more it? us versus you, right? <laughs> all right. We're all cringing here, audience. You can cringe <laughs> along at home.
0: Seth, would you change anything in this? Sketch?
3: I would make it slightly shorter. Yeah. I, I think there were there were bits in just about all of those beats where if you took out maybe 20, 30 seconds... It'd be just a little bit tighter, move along a little bit quicker, and still keep uh, the humor and the punchlines. The
1: man opened the show telling you he was burned out and needed a break. Don't yeah. you think that's enough? I mean, yeah. really.
3: I am not in any way disparaging Dave Chappelle. <laughs> I am simply offering opinion an opinion because it was asked. Uh, I clearly do not have a career in comedy, so perhaps. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about.
1: You didn't just donate Emmys to uh, Duke Ellington School of the Arts?
3: I did
0: not. Okay. And uh, for me, I, I think Julian identified probably the best place to cut, which is the PCP bit. It's funny, but I think I like the kind of sticking with rule of threes kind of feel of doing the the drive by, the prostitute, and then the cop killing. Um, but this yeah. this is this is a really
2: phenomenal uh, yeah. um, sketch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. Well, I was just gonna ask, like, because uh, Jess was just talking about it, where it's like, I, I personally wouldn't write this, and this this sketch seemed personal to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I was like, I, I in the last uh, last time we talked about uh, Chappelle's show, I said that I don't really write personal things or it's things that sort of reflect how I feel about you know, like race relations or stuff that I even see, you know, or you know, racism and stuff like that. So, like. Not that you guys write about racism, but <laughs> <laughs> it, like, it, once again, once baseball racism, commentary. No one liked it. <laughs> uh, do do you guys like? Do you guys write personal things? I, I never really write anything that's really too personal, and that's now. I'm, now I feel like I need to work on that. Do you guys write personal stuff? Um, apparently, only at the twenty four hour sketch fest, <laughs> okay.
3: which was a, a sketch festival that we did. Jess, do
1: you? I, I do write personal things, but they don't they don't come together as well because I think I'm em- embroiled in it too much. Like they don't, I don't think that they relate outwardly to other people or, or enable other people to relate to them because it's too much inside of my own experience and maybe they just need to be, Oh, I don't know, edit it down. But it's, um, I, it's, it is harder when you speak like from a very personal place. Cause then also too, when you bring it to other people, you're like very protective over it instead of just, you know, this is something funny I thought of. So it's hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tend to find that when I am writing I've, – I've written a couple things that have been, like, based on personal experience. But other than drawing from that, I don't feel like I yeah. um, get uh, – that I get a lot out of that. I find that when I'm writing, I more just start – like, it's, it's often me sitting there trying to think, like, what's a funny concept?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like,
0: who's a, who's a funny character? That's usually more where I start. Like, who's a funny yeah. character? Um, and go from there. I, I usually don't, I don't think, I don't, I think it's tough to use personal experience to write sketch comedy because of the inherent absurdist nature of it.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. And I, I, also, like, I also just wonder like sometimes if like uh, I mean, I'm black and Mexican and then also there's all these other social elements that I go through and that I see and so like I'm like am I going to reach these people and is it funny enough, you know, to like To break that barrier between myself and audience. That's a good question.
0: Time for final thoughts. Jess, as the guest, can you come up with some kind of rating system for us to rate the sketches that we talked about today? It can be on any scale or what have you. Normally we base it off of one of the sketches that we talked about today.
1: Yeah, it should definitely be based out of like uh, guineas. I think like 10 guineas out of 10 is like.
0: Guineas and a
3: guinea, which is a fifth of a pence. No. Nobody knows because no, no they don't
1: use them anymore. So. Uh,
3: a guinea is a pound and a shilling, I think. Okay. <laughs> there we go.
1: And a shilling is.
3: Uh, a shilling is some fraction of a pound.
1: Don't tell my British mother that I don't know these things.
3: Uh, it might be twelve pence, but don't quote me on and that.
1: And this is why they changed. This is why they changed. But yes. Ten All out right. of ten guineas. Just
3: surprisingly, how you, would, you, how you would give
0: change change bank ten
1: out of ten guineas. Okay. Cool. I really uh, I'm just such an emotionally pregnant person right now that I just and love. Really pregnant. Yes, really both really pregnant.
0: and
3: emotionally. Two
1: weeks away, kids. So really, really. Um I I'm, you know what? Like, there's always room for growth and change. So I'm gonna give it nine out of ten guineas. Ooh. Change bank for it's 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 just historic impact the everything that it has Jim Downey I just want to hug him he's a genius so that's all
0: Julian how many guineas out of 10 would you give uh this sketch change bank
2: I will give it um two guineas and one guinea pig <laughs> I don't think you've stuck with the rating system yeah. once <laughs> um because um, I I thought it was funny after like Watching it a few times, but um, it, it took me a while to get there. Uh, but I don't take anything away from it, hence the guinea pig. Nice. Uh Respect. I know for me. One guinea. I was going to say two. Half a guinea. I was
1: going to say two guineas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: prob- probably uh, two guineas. Just doesn't work for me. Phil Hartman's voice uh, gives it two guineas
3: for me.
1: Phil Hartman.
3: Seth? Uh, I'm going to give it uh, seven guineas, six shillings, a threepenny bit, a penny, and a halfpenny will do. And if you haven't got a halfpenny, well, God bless you.
1: God That's a scholar and a gentleman right there.
3: Y'all took my jokes. That's fine.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. And how about for uh, Chappelle's show this sketch, uh, the Wayne Brady sketch? Seth, how many guineas would you give this sketch?
3: Uh, as many as Wayne Brady received from his uh, string of prostitutes. It's <laughs> a good number of guineas uh just how many
0: guineas would you
1: give? i feel at? like if i don't give it at least nine out of ten guineas then i'm racist is that is that a possibility so yes
0: social justice yeah. is working
1: i'm gonna go with that uh, nine out of ten guineas reverse, reverse racism, racism.
0: I, <laughs> I i uh i would give it uh i'd give it nine out of ten as mm. well um like i said it's my favorite Chappelle show sketch as julian pointed out there are places where it could be a little a little tighter uh it's it's an awesome sketch. And Julian, how many guineas would you give this sketch? I'll give it a million
2: guineas. <laughs> million guineas. A million guineas.
1: You sound like my four year old.
2: But no, actually, I will give it I will give it one guinea because i guinea is also a racist term for Italians. Is it- <laughs> so Jess, sorry. It's new to me. That's a new one.
1: That's a new You've one. You've never heard that? No.
2: Oh no, yeah, no, totally I'm married totally to an is. Italian, so it's, uh,
3: I know them
1: all. <laughs> it's a
3: it's a value of coinage and something you can insult Italian people with, so, you know. It's a twofer. I'm glad that I have information to take home to the streets.
1: you learned learn something new.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to our guest, Jessica Randazzo, for being a guest on today's show. Please like, share, and subscribe. If you have a sketch that you're interested in us breaking down, please send it to us. We'd love to do that. You can find out more about Sketch Nerds and Bad Medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketch nerds. you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Jess, Seth, Julian, I'm Andy. Thanks for listening to Sketch Nerds. Thank you for listening.
2: This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden, and recorded in Washington D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by soundtrackforeverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, fair use exemption for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny T-shirts, please visit badmedicinecomedy.com.